Hey, this is Kevin from Kevin's Barbecue Joints, and welcome to episode 300 of the Kevin's Barbecue Joints podcast. Wow, 300. So this one's a great one and an important one. It's with Stan Hayes from Operation Barbecue Relief. I talked to him personally one-on-one about two years ago. About a year ago, I spoke with him during the pandemic with Todd from Plowboys because of the restaurant relief program. But I haven't spoken to him specifically about Operation Barbecue Relief in a couple of years, and it's been 10 years now since they started Operation Barbecue Relief. And we talk all about the beginning days because there's some people that probably haven't seen that interview. But most importantly, if you get anything from this interview, if you're at all interested in donating some time or want to help out with Operation Barbecue Relief, there's an app and I'll put a link below. Super easy on the Google Play Store or App Store. Download the app and you can fill out the form and I think you have to take a photo of your ID and they do a little background check and then you're on the list and you'll get pushed notifications when there's a tornado or a hurricane or a fire or some emergency that they need. And there's also different ways. You don't always have to go to the location. There's things that you could do to work from home to help Operation Barbecue Relief. So if there's anything to take away, it's that app. It's very important. You can volunteer on their website, but then you have to scan your ID and email a bunch of different stuff. So it's super easy. They didn't have the app before. And we just talk all about what they're doing and how his life has changed in the 10 years and how he's almost become a meteorologist and they're forecasting the hurricanes. And then also how they have all these different things positioned across the United States so they could be quick on responding. It's a massive operation. It's an amazing thing that they do. If you've seen it from afar, take a look at their social media feeds and also go to their website. I'll put a link below on that too because they have a great video kind of highlighting the last 10 years and what Operation Barbecue Relief is. If you're watching on the YouTube side a couple times, the video portion lags for like a second or two and then catches up. If you listen to this on the podcast, it doesn't change at all. But I just want to let you know on the YouTube side. But it's, it's just great to talk to Stan. He's a cool guy. He also talks about blue sky days. And blue sky days are days when they're not helping during a disaster and all the different programs they're doing with veterans and first responders and families to give people a chance to learn how to grill and how to cook for themselves. It's so many different things. It's not just responding to disasters. So give them a follow, download that app, and thank you, Stan, for taking the time. And the Kevin's Barbecue Joints podcast and YouTube show is brought to you by Flores Tortillas. Check them out at florestortillas.com. Hands down, the best tortillas you're ever going to buy. Every Monday at 10 a.m. Texas time, they go on sale. They sell out quickly. Sell them by the dozen. You can ship them anywhere in the United States. As soon as you get them, make sure you put them in your fridge because there's no additive. And as I've noted, they're made with smoked beef tallow. Send them to somebody and make them happy. Send them to yourself. They're so good. They're good with a little butter, but with meat and everything. It's, they're just fantastic. Again, that's florestortillas.com. We're also brought to you by Centex Smokers out of Luling, Texas. Flores is out of Whitney, Texas. Centex is out of Luling, Texas. Amazing pits. Follow them on Centex underscore smokers. Michael Johnson has been doing this since he was a kid. Amazing construction. Amazing builds. Beautiful, beautiful pits. They're at 12 to 14 months now. They were at four to five months. When we first started this partnership, uh, I'm so proud of Michael. He's doing amazing work. Again, that's Centex underscore smokers. And I have a website at kevinsbbqjoints.com. Links to the podcast, YouTube stuff, massive lists that I keep creating. I'm working on a really big one right now that I'm posting in a couple of days that I think will be super useful. But at the end, stay safe. Make sure you download that Operation Barbecue Relief app. Well, good morning, Stan. How are you today? I'm doing great, Kevin. How about yourself? I'm doing well. The last time we spoke was kind of knee-deep in, in the pandemic. Not that we're still we're still in it, but it was yeah. 
it was with you and Todd, right, from Plow Boys? Yep. Yeah, that was that was the restaurant relief program. I wanted to, for people that hadn't, we talked about three years ago originally in your kitchen, <laughs> the early yeah. days of this show, and that was a, a early days in general, and I wanted to give people a recap as to what Operation Barbecue Relief is, how it started, just quickly. Sure. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it started after the Joplin tornado in, in, in uh, 2011, and uh, it really, at that time, the genesis was, you know, myself and other competitive uh, barbecue guys, we got together and said, hey, why don't we, why don't we go um, to Joplin and, you know, instead of setting up and competing against each other like we would, let's go set up in a parking lot together and, and do good. Um, and and uh, essentially, that was the beginning of it. We, we put the call out on social media. We got some, you know, got some companies to give us some, some uh, food donations and, we thought we'd go down there for three or four days maybe and serve four or 5,000 meals over the time and, and, and come home. And what we found was that there was a great need that exists after a disaster. And it was a gap that wasn't being filled at the time. And, and that gap was what we were uniquely qualified for. Go set up in a parking lot with minimal yeah. needs, create a kitchen and do what we were doing, you know, competing against each other, but rather bringing our resources together and, and, putting it out, um, food, uh, you know, comfort food too, you know, barbecue is that quintessential comfort food. Too. And, and so with that, that's the way it all started. We, we, we had no idea, you know, 10 years later, we'd be, you know, sitting here talking about serving over 9 million meals and, and doing, you know, doing this across the country. And congratulations on 10 years, 10 years is that's long, a decade of doing this. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, and some days it feels like it's much longer than 10 years. <laughs> yeah, look, we talked about off, yeah, time is so straight. Yeah. My question is, how did people, like at the beginning, how did people know to come get the food? Or how did, I know it was on social yeah. media, but how did the locals, like if there was an earthquake here, how would I know? So obviously it starts with the social media, but, it, you know, it's grown into partnerships with much larger organizations, the ones that, that are those sustaining organizations that come to the community for the weeks, months, years, you know, until the community is really back on their feet, um, and, and as well as those community groups and church groups. So when we're going somewhere, we put that the word out into the community. We get with the, the local emergency managers. We get gotcha. with the local you know, city and county officials, even state officials, letting them know we're coming to the area, what the plan is, where we're looking at. You know, we don't, you know, because we're a more of a bulk service and have been, especially the last, you know, probably five or six years where we've really done more bulk and less walk-up service, um, partnering with other organizations that are going to have walk-ups is what we try to do. Gotcha. Um, okay. you'll, you'll see this next year, though. We've got a plan to have our own, um, using some of our own trailers and repurposing them during disasters. We're going to have some, you know, two to three, depending on the size of the, the disaster, we'll have stagnant locations that we'll start publicizing saying, Hey, you need, you know, you need a meal, you know, come here. Okay. And, and we'll use many of our partners out there to do that. So when you're saying bulk, you're say, like saying like a church will come and pick up 200 meals or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So when we, our bulk meals start at 50, 50, okay. you know, as, as a minimum, you know, we get a lot of, a lot of smaller nonprofit groups that are out there, you know, whether it's uh, groups like team Rubicon or, you know, uh, uh, Cajun Navy or somebody like that who, whose people are out there and we're in an area where they're not going to go run to the, you know, quick shop or to a, 
um, a bodega or, you know, a, a fast food place right now. So they, you know, we, we make sure to take care of those that are also serving the community, those first responders that have come in, as well as the city itself. I mean, we, you know, what we find during, you know, during that first 72 hours of chaos, as we call it, is, you know, as we're trying to get our feet underneath us, we start cooking. We don't even know how many to cook for. So, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon, we may be going, oh, we've got we've got 800 meals sitting here you know, that haven't gotten out. So then all of a sudden we're loading up Cambros and stuff like that. And we're going to firehouses. We're going to police stations. We're going to, you know, we're looking for the city where they have their uh, emergency operations center, places like that, where we Shelters know people and things. Need. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, uh, churches generally have more, are sheltering more people than most of the mass shelters are the mass shelters that like red cross may be running has a lot of people in them in one location but if you take you know uh there's depending on what part of the country you're in the churches may actually already have things set up a lot better so people are much more comfortable to go to their local church because they know that's yeah, going to happen it's, it's, it's a family and and last year's an anomaly i mean you know because there wasn't a lot of shelters because of covid and and restrictions and 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 places so it, it became even harder i mean a lot of people just left the community i i think of lake charles last year where we struggled to get volunteers because they weren't there i mean when when a big disaster like you know um hurricane laura happens you start looking at the community that it, day four or so people have sort of in that community are looking for how they can give back. And that just didn't happen. We brought in people, I think from 30, 31 different States to Louisiana to help on that disaster. And we were still, you know, you know, we, we had a max capacity and I've never, we've never really had to say, Hey, you know, we can't do more than this because we just don't have the volunteers. We've always been able to say, Hey, we need more volunteers so we can do this. They just didn't come. And that uh, was due to COVID, right? It was two things. COVID was part of it. But part of it is, is that the, the, the infrastructure in the community was okay. so badly devastated that people just left. They knew they, they weren't going to have power for 30 days, 45 days. And so why are you going to stay there if you can go to your relatives or your best friend's house, you know, five hours away, three hours away, two hours away? Yeah, that's true. I talked to the guys at, um, at Paul's Rib Shack in Lake Charles, and I think one of the guys, he... He went to uh, his family went to Houston. I think they went there for because they had a special needs uh, relative, and so they needed the power. They needed things, and so they left. Yeah. And so and who knows? Yeah, people probably never came back even too. Well, they, you know, I mean, we went back, you know, because of the second hurricane. Luckily, you know, after having a brand new, yeah. you know, power infrastructure, it was more than prepared for you know a second storm coming through, and and they didn't really lose power. They didn't have. But a lot of those people, those houses were already damaged or and may have just started getting worked on and got damaged again. And so, I mean, it's been a nightmare in that community. But I, I look at that and I tell my team it's an anomaly. I mean, mm-hmm. last year was an anomaly in the way we had to act, the way we had to do things. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to take some best practices, actually, from what we learned during this um, on how we need to set up, how we need to control flow better, how we need to, you know, you know, have a better overall operational plan. Yeah, this is actually, it was good that you had that because you will learn a lot from it. And you, and like from the early days, 
it started with two people, and, that, and it's, there's tw- uh, you have a staff of 22, right? And what, 18,000 volunteers, or, or am I? Th- yeah, it's so. So yeah, we're up to 18 full-time okay. uh, employees and 20, 25, I think part-time. I mean, seven more part-time, so total okay. of 25. Um, employees right now and the volunteer things like you know one of these things you have people that have signed up and want to volunteer and then you have those that are active you know volunteering whether it's whether it's coming to the warehouse whether it's you know an an event or or whether it's a disaster so you know we may have a database of about 18,000 of that I would say you know less than half of them are actively you know looking for opportunities and probably of that I would say you've got about 1,500 that I would say, you know, have communicated. And then it goes down to you got, we've got a team of about 200 people that we're going to call upon, you know, because they've been active in the last, you know, 18 months in deployments and, and have done multiple deployments. We know the people that, you know, we're going to count on. We don't even have to ask them because they're going to be telling us, hey, yeah, you know, when the app's up or, or when, when you open up, you know, I'll, I'll get in there and, and, and uh, uh, select my days. So how does that work? How does the sign up process work? And then how does it, if say I'm in Los Angeles and there's fires here, how do I know? Yeah. So, so the best way is, is, you know, the phone, right? Yeah. So we have, a, we have a, uh, an app. If you go on to like the app store for, uh, if you're an Apple person, you would just, uh, you type in OBR volunteer. Okay. The app will pop up. You'll go through the whole validation process, which is registering. There's a background check, all of those things that'll go through there. And then you set it up to, you know, for not- receive notifications. Okay. So if we come to LA and we're doing a, you know, if we're doing a, a, a more of a always serving project where we're working with fire or, or you know, um, veterans um, and we need volunteers, it's going to pop up you know, in your area, say, Hey, you know, they're looking for a dozen volunteers. Okay. You know, if there was a disaster, uh, it's going to come up, pop up and say, hey, you know, we're looking for X many volunteers go. And then you would go in there and you'd click on the event, you know, Los Angeles fires, let's say. And then you would basically say, yes, I could work these three days or whatever okay. it is. And then it goes to a review process and say, okay, yeah. So we need Kevin. So then you would receive an email saying, Hey, yes, you are, you'll get more information. we very early on, especially, we're very guarded on where we set up because of putting out bulk meals. We don't want the general public just to flood a parking lot trying to come and get meals from us. And that's what you I know, was we wondering how that worked. worked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're very guarded. In fact, you know, we've we received you know negative media attention or social media, never from the media. In fact, usually the media is the one that, that outs us and tells everybody where yeah, we're no, at. Yeah, I think I've seen that during the fire. Yeah, <laughs> that's why yeah. I was bringing that up. Um, but. You know, with that, again, we're using the opportunity to make it a positive and using our own equipment to where we'll take volunteers and we'll set them in that parking lot at, you know, a Lowe's or at a, you know, a Walmart or somebody, you know, that we have a partnership with that, that, you know, has a big enough parking lot that we can create a drive through type situation where cars can come in. We can get, you know, get those meals out to them. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So I was just it. At that that from the early days to now to actually having an app and being able to do that it makes a lot of sense and I'll put links to I'll, I'll put links to the app so people can sign up for the 
I guess it's like Google Play and then the, the iPhone store. Yeah. And then also, I think that's a great thing because people probably don't know. They, I think a lot of people want to volunteer or want to at least help a little for something and they don't know how. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, the biggest one is, is when I have friends and everybody, hey, just call me when I was like, dude, let me just tell you, I don't have the time to call you. If they're, I mean, and I tell my friends all the time that want to do this, hey, just go download this app. Come on. You know, I shouldn't have to tell my friends, uh, you know, and, and family, hey, I'm not going to call you. I, I mean, uh, you know, if you think I've got the time to call you, you guys are sadly mistaken. And, and, and to think, you know, hey, I'm going to L.A., I need to call Kevin. It's just it, it, it's not that's it. the last thing that I'm thinking about is is the people in the area that I can try to find. But that's also where it's been good with our, our on our corporate side um, of working with a lot of these you know sponsors that we have and trying to get their employees because so many of them have that that social good side of the company that they're mm-hmm. trying to do where they're trying to get their you know people that may see this that, that's a great way to also get your company involved or get your departments involved because most a lot well not most I should say a lot of companies give people time off mm-hmm. to go volunteer and, and it's also something yeah like you said that companies want to have that that's an important component to a company's business overall business. So how, how do, how do a company, again, they go to the website, a company goes to your website if they want to either donate or be part of your program, right? Yeah. So yeah, they can go to the web, the website and go through the website and donate, but you know, if they want to be more of a partner, mm-hmm. if they want to, they want to be more than just a donor. Um, you know, there's, there's links in there. They can go to, you know, corporate relations and submit, you know, send an email in and said, Hey, we'd like to talk to somebody, you know, believe it or not, you know, we try to mine as much as we can, you know, but you have one person really works at new business development and one that's working other relationships. So two people, you know, trying to help drive revenue and, and the, the, the relationships with, you know, the, the companies out there for, you know, an organization that last year served almost 5 million meals. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, people think of, Oh my God, they got 18 full-time employees. I can't believe that. But, you know, there's no way you do five million meals to people no. in, in in like 12 different states, you know, during a pandemic without having people. I mean, we had to bring people on some people on in contract to help with just some of the logistics and, and, and keeping track of everything. Especially during the pandemic. The fact that you guys can still could still do that. The fact that anything actually still operated. It's I, I even I talked to a guy who was a trucker, a long haul trucker during the time. And it was it was odd because all the truck stops were closed and. So he was eating gas station food for almost a year and it raises blood pressure. Well, that, and that was the sad part, right? Because everybody was asking us, hey, will you set up at truck stops? They don't have any food. They don't have any food. But, you know, I can't set up, at, you know, 700 truck stops. No. I can't, you know, I can't even, I, we looked at strategically placing, you know, in areas that have major, you know, connections, right? Like in the DFW area. But which truck stop do you choose? Yeah, I know. You down, you would ch- set, shut down the fuel side of a truck stop by setting up at, at a Love's in, in DFW area. <laughs> yeah. Say, hey, we've got food here. And plus, we're not a we're not a for profit entity, you know, and, and the truckers were one of the most vital things. So we would have been giving them away. And when you start giving it away, that makes the line just exponentially that much longer. And it would also maybe make truckers go out of their way to, to get it would just it would cause a chaos that you didn't. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, we, we, we tried to work with several groups that came to us that said, Hey, we want to go do this. 
great. I mean, how can we support you on this? I mean, but it, it, it's it's really hard to sit there and say, yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna go set up at you know hundreds of truck stops and 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 that's the that's the tough thing because I I truly think during the pandemic they they were some of the most critical workers between yeah. besides teachers and, 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 you know, uh, nurses, uh, uh, anybody that worked at a hospital yeah. or a care center, um, of any kind truly were the heroes at that point. And I think, and people often say like, why did people, were people hoarding, hoarding, uh, toilet paper? Like do people don't need, well, people were thinking like the, the all the, all the different, uh, all commerce was going to shut down and it was having, there was d definitely a lot of hiccups, like major hiccups in that. So I think people were, they were hoarding for that purpose. It was a, a fear that things were going to break down to a point where, but they, but we, you know, as Americans and as look, look with, with what you're doing, we persevere, we get behind things. We actually, we, we volunteer, we do things to help others, which is, it's an amazing thing. And so you've planned out, you know, that this is like hurricane season's I guess on the way. So you're going yep. to be, you said that for this next year or you're coming up with, you guys have some plans for yeah. how to deal with this. So, I mean, every year we look back, you know, at the end of the year and say, what can we do better? And, and we continually try to implement and improve upon processes. It's very hard to improve on something sitting in a parking lot in the middle of, of the fray. Yeah. So when you do after action reviews and things like that with your team, you, you look at how you can do things better and, and and one of them was, you know, what we what we experienced in Lake Charles, we know isn't going to be the norm, but we have to we have to have some sort of a plan for that. You know, we're, we're doing events around the country and getting our, our our ambassadors and our local area coordinators to try to get out to, I mean, barbecue contests again, get out to local events and get people to register as volunteers, you know, um, and and download that app, show us that you download the app. Here's a, here's a coupon to our store, whatever it is to try to get that. So we can have more people in there. Um, because we know that, you know, social media isn't the way it was, you know, in, in 2011, when we started and your friends actually saw the things that you posted on Facebook, you uh -huh. know, um, that doesn't and, and Twitter happen. and Twitter, you had like 30, 40 people and we were all communicating yeah. like instantly with each other. Yes. Yeah. You know, you, you have, you, you have this, you know, this, this difference and say, so you've got to go direct, you know, you've got to be able to contact people and, and get your information out there in, in many different ways. And, and so, um, that's, that's one of the things that we're doing is we're trying to build up that, you know, and, and, and it's not always, you know, we have some partners out there. We have another nonprofit that supports us with air, airline flights. So those people that came in from 31 other States, ah. you know, if they weren't close enough, you know, we would fly them in, but to fly them in, they had to, they had to, you know, guarantee us so many days. We weren't going to fly somebody in there for three days because you have a day of travel, you yeah. know, you're there a day and then you leave. That, that does us no yeah. good. But if you have a day of travel, you can be there for three solid days at a minimum, you know, so we would ask for a five day minimum commitment, you know, and if so, we would then you know, book them through this other group that gets us these free, you know, they work with different airlines and they get tickets for just this purpose. Wow. And so we flew a, a lot of people to Louisiana, a couple people twice. That's um, incredible. And, uh, you know, some people just prefer, you know, prefer to drive and, and that's on them. You know, I mean, I can't pay for everybody's fuel that wants to, you know, doesn't want to get on a plane yeah. or, or something like that. But, but, you know, this last year we, we invested in, two bunkhouses, you know, we got to a point you're like, you don't have any, any hotels. And if we did find hotels, we weren't going to be able to bunk people up. Normally when we have hotel rooms, we got two people in, in oh, a yeah. room you couldn't do that. 
So now all of a sudden you're double. If you did find rooms, you either have reduced, you know, if you, let's say you had five hotel rooms, you no longer have 10 people in those hotel rooms. Yeah. Now you got five people. In that. So your, your costs. So we found a company that makes these bunk houses with that have individual rooms. They're little pods, if you will. And, uh, you know, bed, little area, little cabinet, you know, air conditioning. So we ended up buying two of those. So I think we can sleep like 22 people individually. So this is like a mobile thing? Yeah, it's wow. a big, it's like a big fifth wheel, you know, that we, we pull down there. That's so smart. Or we hire, we hire a third party company to pull down, you know, pull it for us to get it where we need to go, depending on where it's at, what we need done and, and what vehicles are available. Cause we only have a couple of vehicles that can truly pull it, you know, this because of the size. But, you know, with that, you know, we have on order a shower bathroom trailer. It actually you'll have it's actually the first one this company has ever made and, and because of the pandemic they can't get parts to finish it it's been sitting there for four months now you know just trying to get these these last components but it'll have it'll have double stack um, laundry units in it so washer dryer in in, in there um, it will ha- it will have That's four smart. individual showers and four individual bath bathrooms so they're all unisex right so there is you know, the growing population in, at, at these, volu- you know, of volunteers has been the female side uh, coming out and, and more and more stay-at-home moms, more and more business women that are getting involved. You know, the stigma of barbecue being a, a guy's business mm-hmm. and, and, and everything, um, we've been fighting that for, you know, since day one. And the, the more you see fem- female pitmasters out there, you know, the Megan Days of the world, the Danielle Demofskis and, mm-hmm. and everything, the more it helps us in getting women to want to be out there and want to be part of this. So we want to be able to have those accommodations so they feel comfortable on site. But again, you know, we start with those 22, those 22 rooms are used, our um, leads, and then they go to our, those, those hand chosen, if you will, or um, volunteers that have shown over the years uh, that we've we've spent money now on them and training them. We wouldn't have been able to do what we did in Lake Charles if we wouldn't have spent over the last 18 months before Lake Charles a considerable amount of resources in educating the, you know those people that came wow. in on how to do things because every one of those volunteers was like you know maybe three to four volunteers that were brand new. Because they had gone through the training, they knew what to do. You didn't have to sit there and manage them because they went and did their thing, um, and that's why we were able to still put out twenty-five, almost thirty thousand meals a day with about forty percent of the volunteers that we would normally have had to have two years ago. Yeah, this is built. It's 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 that's that's an important part of this too. Is that people get trained and get trained over the years, and then they're able to, and then you could have them micromanage small groups and it, that makes yep. that makes a lot of sense well that's so 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 if so say this hurricane season you've already got your you know roughly what areas and you have areas you probably there'll be places that you'll be going back sadly sure again, right so yeah so you know in advance of all of this we've been working in the state of florida um we've been working in louisiana and the state of texas you know three of the biggest areas that have been hit over the last you know, 10 years of doing this, right? We already have relationships in those states. We have, you know, we're getting more and more agreements in, you know, working in the off season with those emergency operations folks at the state level and getting into those counties um, and everything. 
because it, it's really fragmented, unfortunately, um, out there is, is you have, you know, federal, state, then you have local. And, you know, local and state sometimes don't, don't work no. together. And there isn't a synergy on how to make things easier. So we're having to go to all these different levels and make sure. But we, we also work with several groups uh, of, uh, yeah, that forecast the storms. They're, they're different, you know, weather groups out there. And we have a couple that have been pretty accurate in over the last, well, since 20, since 2018, working right. with them. And, and, you know, in 2018, they, they predicted both Hurricane um, Florence and Hurricane Michael to about 100 miles, uh, you know, swath, 200 mile swath uh, of where it was going to make landfall more than 20 days, three weeks before it, it, it hit. They were giving us information about it. They're giving us, you know, date ranges of, hey, it's going to be three to four days, you know, before or after this date. And so now you're looking at it, you're going, okay, before or after, holy cow. And what that does is it allows us also to, also to move equipment around. So, you know, in, in this last year, we've made some additional, you know, changes where we have some warehousing space. One of our, one of our supporters has given us down in Dallas. So we have a lot of our um, our freezer storage is in Dallas, oh, okay. uh, and, and we have some in Louisiana. Um, and then we have, uh, our dry goods storage, which is a lot of our number 10 cans of, you know, um, vegetables and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And, and, as well as non-perishable goods, we got about four or five tractor trailer loads sitting in their warehouse in Dallas. Well, it's much easier for me to get a tractor trailer to go pick that stuff up in Dallas because it's such a big trucking hub compared to Kansas City or even, yeah. you know, even Memphis. But as far as our supplies, um, as far as our resources, our smokers and stuff like that, they're spread right now between Kansas City, Memphis. Um, we have a place to store and, and, and pre-stage stuff outside of Atlanta. And then um, we have a location down in Tampa, Florida, which is, has been, you know, gives us a much quicker access to Florida. You know, Atlanta seems really close to Florida and it's closest to the panhandle. But if you've got to go down to no, Estero or you go down to Miami, that's a heck of a haul for us. So, you know, you know, but from Atlanta, we can hit South and North Carolina fairly, mm -hmm. fairly easily. So we, we cover a good portion of the coast there from Georgia to to Alabama, even towards Mississippi and, and between Memphis and there we can converge. And and so we we pre-stage stuff as we go in there. You know, June first is known as, you know, the beginning of hurricane season. So it's it's rare to get a very big, you know, powerful one, but you know, they're already showing that the Gulf waters up around Florida are, are way. The uh, forecasts are basically the same thing as last year. They, you know, from just what, you know, from, well, the, just call it the Texas coastline, you know, through Louisiana and, and New Orleans into Mississippi. And then from about Alabama over through Florida, up, you know, to up and towards North Carolina. So you have these two areas that, once again, that you have a very small gap that they show when they show you their maps of about maybe, and and, and again, that's that's just forecasting, right? So uh, if if you're looking from like oh somewhere just east of New Orleans to somewhere you know just west of uh, or Mobile, 
I mean, that's not far, that's not much of a strip. No. You know, it's actually a very small area. So when we look at that, I mean, not that we're not focused on Mississippi, Alabama, and even into Georgia, because we are, but we just know what we, the three areas right now that we're really focused on. And then we're focused on the Carolinas up to Virginia as well, because we know that those are the areas that you know, we've been, you know, knock on wood right now, whatever <laughs> is, you know, that the tornado season has been, We've had such ebbs and flows of cool weather coming through that uh, every time things seem to start heating up in the, the Midwest here, um, you get a cold front that comes in and quashes it before it can get so hot that, that cold front collides with it and and creates those massive tornadoes uh, like we've seen in prior years. <laughs> you become like a meteorologist. Like it's such a you you're. Your I have skill more... set. Your your skill set is sadly it's it's changed a lot in the last. Oh, it, Look, you, you know, between that and, you know, I, I did a thing, you know, with Fox News that they didn't use a ton of it, you know, right at, at, at the holiday. But talking about meat prices and talking about charcoal prices, and talking about propane prices, you know, people, families have to, you know, make decisions. I mean, are you going to go spend, you know, 16 to 18 dollars a pound to buy a ribeye or are you going to go buy that tri-tip or tri-tip steak yeah. that's at eight dollars? You know, are you going to you have to. You know, uh, I told him, I said, you got to, you got to talk to your meat guy, you know, talk to the meat counter Mm -hmm. at your grocery store, tell them what you're looking for and ask them for alternatives. You know, those guys, those guys are really good at, at, at directing you going, Hey, you know what? This is a cut that a lot of people don't know, Mm -hmm. but you should do that. And, and it's part of what we've got into, right. Is, you know, we're before this, when we first started hearing, hey, we're going to start seeing meat shortages and everything again coming into this year, we're on with the our, our sponsors that, that are in the meat business saying, hey, we need to get some more into freezer storage before this really turns south. For sure. And, and uh, to make sure that we can operationalize because we can't, all, you know, if we wouldn't have done that before the pandemic, we wouldn't have had supplies going into Lake Charles, going into these things um, that we had, because the lag time isn't like a week now. Lag time might be three weeks before you can get, yeah. before they produce enough and, and pull enough away from their others, you know, to be able to give us uh, uh, or sell us a tractor trailer load. Yeah. Well, especially too now with that cyber attack, there's just a lot of it's. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's crazy. You know, shutting down all the plants because of a cyber attack. Swift, uh, you know, has a lot of damage control, I think, to make there. It's really an amazing thing. I wanted to touch really quickly, too, because we had, when we last talked, it was, it was you and I and Todd from Plowboys, and you guys were talking mm-hmm. about, and you guys were setting up restaurant relief, and you said going forward, you're going to possibly at least have that as something. Yeah, so, you know, Operation Restaurant Relief, you know, was such a success, uh, you know, about three point, you know, just, just about four million meals wow. done. In, in over 100 days in, in communities across the country um, through restaurants in those communities. I mean, essentially, we became we became like the food broker, right? We we went out there and used our ability to and purchasing power to buy and get stuff distributed to these different locations. And, and some of them were, were mega, you know, um, caterers. Some of them were local, you know, um, mom and pop type barbecue places. I mean, 
it, it wasn't all barbecue. I mean, heck, we had an Italian restaurant going. We had a oh, yeah, Mexican restaurant. Going. And, and, and it was really about being able to serve the community. And, and for us, it was like a triple win. It was our own little incentive plan if there you were. You know, we're looking for places that were closed or closing. You know, it gave them some money to pay the light bill that they were going to have yeah. to pay anyway. They, they could keep people employed, which was, you know, you know, there's still a big part of this country Huge. of people that want to go home and sit sit on their couch and, and collect a check. They exactly. wanted to staffing is just outrageous. Yes. And then it was, you know, a two sided coin of that that, you know, restaurant looking like the, you know, the knight in shining shining armor to the community while working with a nonprofit that's also part of it, yeah, it coming together to help that community. So it helps them. It helps us. We could do our mission without putting volunteers in a, in, in a weird situation that they may feel uncomfortable or if we could even get them. So for us, it was a win. And it was a win for every one of the restaurants that I've talked to. I haven't heard any negatives from them. I mean, I'm sure there were some negatives. I mean, there's always, negative, you know, with programs yeah. like that, but, but overall. So we've taken that, we've, we've augmented it a little bit, but when you see all of that and what is what's going on out there, we really look at it and we say, okay, we can operationalize this for the future. We could use this in a disaster situation in Lake Charles next time to be able to sustain longer than a couple of weeks, possibly, to where we could start giving that food to a local restaurant that had the ability to, to you know, maybe they they can serve a thousand people, you know, maybe they could, you know, and uh, that gives us a lot more flexibility now, especially in communities, uh, you know, it, it's a long drive out to California, you know, to get equipment out there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't mention it earlier, but now I have equipment staged in, in, you know, outside of L.A. and outside of San Francisco. I can imagine. It makes sense. I've got smokers in both locations. I've got, you know, I've got trailer that will be going to Northern California. So I have tilt skillets. I have other resources out there, you know, to be able to do it because it, it's so hard to operationalize move stuff out there. But if we can go in and we can find a couple of local restaurants that are willing to open up and it, the need's only going to be 500 to 1,000 a day, it's almost better for me to find a way to get them mm -hmm. food that they can put out into the for community sure. and partner with them and give them some money for cooking that food than to try to move all my supplies out there. I mean, just to move the command center and and, and the, the big smoker out there is going to cost me, you know, a round trip $10,000 per unit. Are they old hickories? Is that? Yeah. So we've got five old hickories on, on the flatbed of, of a semi trailer. And, and so when that rolls out there, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking probably, you know, 5,000 each direction yeah. to move that out there. And the same, and, and that's the going rate. Obviously we have two, two semi trucks now, but you know, we have volunteer drivers right now. Right. So you got to have, yeah. Drive, you know, you have to have the CDL drivers to do that. So sometimes you just can't make all that work. So yeah, you, you and go I can't just grab on, get into a truck and drive. Yeah, away. I don't want to. I, you know, I, I don't want to either. But it's, it's, it's also, yeah, yeah. Like God love them. That's a that's a special person that can do that. Pick up, pull in a trailer. I have no problem. Yeah. Pick up, you know, and and go on somewhere. No, not interested in getting in a semi truck and 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 doing that. That's just not you know that that's not me and and. Uh, um, I got better things to do than be on the road, you know, um, doing that now someday, you know, I'd love to go drive with one of them out there and just, you know, experience it. I think it would be, I think it would be pretty, uh, 
pretty amazing. Awesome, um, mm-hmm. Being the guy pulling it, I don't know that I want that that responsibility. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> no, I have friends, and it, it takes a certain person that can back one of those up too. Like it's you have to have your brain has to be you have to tweak your brain so you understand. Yeah, there's a lot of logistics that go on. So so what have we? Because a, a good thing, a really big takeaway is is I want people to download that app, and I want people to also when they go to the store, is there they could, I know there's a lot of merch too. Does that is that something that helps you guys? Operation Barbecue Cookbook that's on there. Um, each one of them that you know that's ordered through our store. I personally sign. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, and and that's the best one. We did. We just launched the retro shirt, which is a remake of the very first shirt that we did in 20, 2011 uh, when we you know launched the the organization and everything at the American Royal back then. We do have a second cookbook that's coming. Just shot. Uh, Ken Goodman shot over uh, 80, you know, 80 different, 80, 80 different, uh, um, shots in two days, which is like, you know, five times, whatever the, the, the average, yeah. you know, no, it's like six and a half times the average <laughs> guy. I mean, he's a freaking animal, but myself, uh, I've teamed up with Mike Golick senior and I will hmm. are, are co-authoring uh, this cookbook to benefit operation barbecue relief. And, uh, that one, if all goes the way as planned, it will be out in time for the holidays oh, this perfect. year. The merchandise does help. Yep, the merchandise does help. The cookbook's one of the probably, you know, has a little bit more built in because, you know, manufacturer wants us to sell it at manufacturer price, right? Okay. Where, you know, T-shirts and stuff, a lot of that is, I mean, it helps us. It helps us in two ways. We make some money off of it, but it's also a good advertising piece. Sure. The more people that are wearing that are wearing the shirts out there, the more we're getting you know, for it. So the awareness is also pretty big for us. So if we can make a few bucks off of it and we get more people, yeah. Hey, that's a cool shirt, you know? Oh, oh yeah. It's a I've heard of organization it, yeah. that, yeah, I support. And, and, and it's just another person talking a little bit about who we are. So what are the, all the best ways to get a hold of you guys? Our social media, we have the ha- same handle for um, all of them. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, Facebook page is still the biggest, but Instagram has been, been you know trickling up continually trickling up it's op bbq relief is the handle obr.org is the website um tons of information on the website it's it is it's in the middle of a a revamp so we're hoping i'm hoping you know before the end of the summer we'll have a new you know a little bit more intuitive website up but again there's a ton of information on on the website you can register if you're somebody that you know isn't good with a you know your phone and everything you can register by clicking the volunteer button right there on the home page of the website um you just don't get those push notifications quite the same way yeah. because you don't have the app downloaded and you need a photo don't you need a, a picture of your photo id too you'd have to email it yourself or well you'd have to yeah you'd have to upload some upload. stuff <laughs> yeah. you know so it, it, it's it's Everything's just easier on, on the, the phone, but I know that there's some people that just, they don't yeah, like yeah. doing it that way, and so you can do it the old-fashioned way. Okay, and there's and there's a buttons to donate, and actually the website, I was going to say, the website looks a lot better than it did back in the day, but you're also revamping oh, yeah. it, so so it's 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 a really good website, but it's actually going to be even better. Yes. And then also, too, is there anything about Operation Barbecue Relief that we haven't touched on that you want people to know about? Yeah, so I, I think the one thing that we, we launched two years ago is called our Always Serving Project. And the Always Serving Project is what I, I – I call it our Blue Sky Days. This is what we do outside of disasters, you know. Everybody knows us uh, and knows about us 
or that knows about us knows that it's from the disaster side more so. But what we do outside of disasters really focuses on first responders and veterans. Okay. And we use our passion for barbecue, and we put together a curriculum where uh, it's it's a two-day curriculum of grilling and barbecue. And we'll take them through a two-day, you know, basics of grilling and barbecue, oh. sauces, rubs, how to do things, meats, and cooking to the point of day two, they end with a competition. And, and it's been great because oh, when, you're in, when you're in a community and you can put, you know, fire against police or, you know, um, different units, active military base and bring in different units or you bring in, you know, a couple of different veterans groups against yeah, each other. Yeah, it, it, it adds that that level of competitiveness that they're used to already and, and smack talking, if you will. And, and that's yeah. what, I mean, it, it, it's a lot like a normal barbecue contest when you're, you know, you're smack talking with your neighbors before turn-ins and yeah, stuff. Exactly. Or yeah, yeah. So um, it does a little bit of that. We've got some more things in the works. We're working on a junior one that would bring in uh, kids hmm. um, focusing on inner cities and stuff, helping give, you know, um, those kids, uh, resources to healthy grilling and barbecue and how, what we do on grills and barbecue and, and smokers can be done on hot plates and in ovens mm -hmm. and, you know, getting them. And, and those are, you know, where you have the element of trying to bring the family together also. And so mom and dad feel a little bit more comfortable, right? I mean, I, I, have my kids grew up with this, you exactly. know, they were five years old. They were competing at five, six years old in competitions and stuff. And, and either one of them could go start a fire on a, on a charcoal grill or, you know, you know, run my old hickory out here and, and do something. And my daughter, you know, I have a picture of her almost a year ago sitting there, dad, I want to make ribs sitting there, you know, putting ribs on the old hickory oh, and, and everything for, for dinner. Um, and she, she was 14 at the time. And that's the age group we really want to target is around that 13 to, you know, 17 year old age group that in the inner city is a lot of times they are the caregivers for their younger siblings. Mm -hmm. And, and so if we can give them some healthy eating alternatives and, and how to do things and get the, them and their parents, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, a, a little bit more encouraged that, Hey, it's you, you don't have to yell at them if if they're using the gas grill, mm -hmm. you know, no one wants anybody to get burned. But I burned myself, uh, you know, and I've, I've used that same same cooker for years and I burned myself on the same place on that uh -huh. same cooker, you know, and uh, you know, it, it's it's one of those things. It's not life threatening. You want them to be re respectful of of things. But to me, you have to, you know, knife skills, mm -hmm. you know, charcoal grills, things like that. It's better to teach them how to do it and get them comfortable with it than have them fear it. It's like swimming mm -hmm. or something else. You know, it's better to teach them than have them fall in. It's better to teach them how to use a knife than them picking up a knife and not knowing and cutting themselves. Yeah, and it gives them that skill set for the rest of their life. And it, it takes away that, that intimidation because a lot of times people see someone at a restaurant cooking on grills or, or people in competition. They think it's, it's a lot harder than it really is. It's just takes practice in doing it. So that's, that's neat. So can people, how do people find out about that? So same thing. If, if those events are out there, the, the website and the app, okay, so the if app we've too, got okay. one of those going on um, and we need help. I mean, we just did our 10 year celebration here in, in Kansas city with a golf tournament um, barbecue Academy. So we had 
about every third hole we had food on the golf course cooking. Well, we had pit masters and celebrity chefs out there cooking and, and doing this. So when you, you know, um, and then back at the, the clubhouse, those, we had foursomes where people, I'm not a golfer. I was like, Hey, you know, we've got a barbecue Academy going on. You can five hours of learning about grilling and barbecue. I mean, we had, we had Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue came in as a pit, you know, as a nice. mentor pit master. We had Mike Ollier from, uh, um, certified Angus beef come in and he, he was breaking down a primal. He was talking about the meat, you know, and so we brought in experts. We brought in, you know, some of our local pit masters and we gave every foursome a local, you know, or gave every foursome a mentor pit master to be part of their team. Oh, that's fun. And, and, and so, I mean, I was worried we weren't going to sell it out and we actually oversold it. We had, we had eight, eight foursomes just for that. And then we had 29, you know, golfing. So, huh. I mean, it was, but there we had almost 30 volunteers and, and we put that out to the local community, trying to get those local volunteers from the community to come out and, and do that for the day because we wanted to engage our local volunteers, you know, and, and so it'd it be gets the them same excited thing. too. Events are starting to come back, you know, um, as states have started opening up, we're, we're working on one right now for July in West Virginia huh. with the VA. Um, so uh, the VA is going, we're working, trying to work actively to show the VA the programs that we have. And so they're, as a pilot, they want to do two of them at one of their large locations in West Virginia. And so we're going to do two of them. We're going to do two days and then a, the day off, we're going to do a cook for about 2000 veterans. And then we're going to do another two day. Oh, so, we'll, you know, We'll do two of them at one time. And those are teams of, you, you do up to four people, you know, five different teams. So you have 20, 20 people that you go through that class, that two-day class, and it's a pretty immersed class. And uh, we're also working on, uh, um, John David Wheeler and I are cooking the Kansas City Q Fest, which is one of the Q and the Lou um, group of contests. It's a new one here coming to Kansas City, Arrowheads, you know. So we'll be looking for a handful of volunteers that'll go up on the app here, you know, probably in the next week or so to fill a half dozen or so slots. We need people to come out, help rub down ribs. You know, we're going to, wow. John David, we're going to do, you know, we're probably going to do a couple thousand slabs of ribs for that weekend, you know, for that Q Fest. Wow. So these different kinds of opportunities that local people are like, I can't travel. You know, the last thing is, is that we have, we have a virtual volunteer team that we put into play during disasters and stuff for those people that can't travel, but have time that they can give from home. And uh, we take as much weight off of the ground as we can, whether it's trying to find dumpsters or call the dumpster company and try to get dumped to, yeah, that you know, a lot. and we take and push offsite everything that can be done on a phone. We'll give it to a vol you know, virtual volunteer. Well, that's to good to know too. It. So if you want to volunteer, but you can't get somewhere, that's another opportunity. Okay. <laughs> there's a lot of things to mention. Okay. That's important. Oh yeah. There's so much to mention and, and I'm sure I forgot things to mention too, that's but okay. you know, those are the big, those are the big things, you know, I want people to know that we do a lot more than just sit, sit here preparing for the disasters, you know, during these blue sky days that we're actively out there giving back to the heroes and communities and, and our veterans and, and our first responders. And, and we really, that first responder group, it has really actually increased because we've brought in a lot of frontline workers over this last year and included nurses and teachers in that. And we're looking at doing some special things for those, those groups in the coming year, knowing that we can't, we can't just totally say, Hey, yeah, nurses and 
and every nurse and every teacher can jump into our classes. But hopefully next month, I think we'll be we'll we'll be uh, launching a virtual platform where they can uh, veterans and uh, first responders can sign up on the platform, prove that they are you know a veteran or a first responder, and they'll get access to a library of of actual videos. Perfect. Um, videos for grilling and cooking, and then we'll do live online classes. Smart. And, and so, again, so many things, but I think we all found that this virtual platform that mm-hmm. we're on right now has become a medium that can will continue and, and uh, um, gives uh, the flexibility that we can do this for, you know, veterans. We can do this for wounded warriors. We can do this for this group and give them an opportunity yeah. to, you know, learn more and and dive into other things i mean you know we could go on for hours about it but these are some of the things that you know are coming and then i got a couple of things that i can't talk about yet but when when it comes out and when i can talk about it which could be in the next 60 or 90 days could be a another huge um, opportunity for people to volunteer groups to volunteer and uh, a camp type atmosphere that may you know, we may be able to put together. So that's really neat. That's a good idea too. So, and all those things would be notifications from the app, right? Yep. Or if you go, can you go online? Is there a, a, a subscribe thing too to get emails? Oh yeah, yeah. You subscribe for our yeah our monthly uh, newsletter. Okay. Uh, you can subscribe to get the monthly newsletter, which is you know a recap. Uh, our, the one that just went out this month was uh, was basically a May June combo because we had so much going on. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Not only, not only did we, you know, put on, you know, our first golf tournament, which was a huge success. We, you know, shot 80, 80 some, you know, different recipes and everything for a cookbook um, at the same time. Because why not, you know, why not add more to the fire? Um, but again, it, 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 uh, a few days of extreme stress, you know, leads to uh, a lot more freedom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's how I feel with everything I do. Yeah, yeah. You got to just push yourself and then, and then you get there. Well, thank you so much, Dan, for taking the time. Have a, have a good hey. rest of your week, and uh, I'm glad you're doing well. And, uh, yeah, just thank you for everything you're doing. It's great. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, appreciate your time today. All right, thanks so much. Take care, Sam. Bye-bye. All right, see you.